everybody welcome back it's not a fearsome foursome but it's a it's a, it's a uh -oh. triple threesome <laughs> <laughs> yeah make it awkward let's start off with awkwardness it's okay. oh speaking yeah. of awkward how awkward was i on the on the uh, mastermind call dwight oh, like, when i said what i said i don't even want to say what i said but like dwight was like giving me a smirk i know him so well i just i just glossed over it. i said something that was very silly yeah but at the end of the day they were just feeding you uh you know emotional methods of running their business and i yeah. think it's it's top tier topic so give some context since we are recording is that you guys were just in a session called the asking anything which is the weekly thing we do with the mastermind to to dive into really the, the course subject and so sometimes it's led by craig sometimes it's led by dwight sometimes it's led by me right and mm -hmm. so i was not partaking because i was actually doing a pod with a someone that i want to talk about today too it was awesome he's a periodontist got debt free it's actually not a pod it's a youtube channel but debt free doctor um so anyway but i won't go there right now but tell me so what were you guys a, i interrupted yeah, so, to give context but tell me what you guys were were laughing at well you know first of all dwight thanks for it was it was awesome like so ask me anything calls are the once a week um call that happens for the mastermind and right now since the mastermind just started we're we're really focused on like visioneering, which is a woo-woo term for just creating a game plan. Like, what do you want to create in your practice? But this is an opportunity for people to ask the hot, you know, the burning questions right now. So it was like, and it was funny, as these questions start coming out, and we love our masterminds, it's great, but it, it just shows that no one's really thought carefully about what they want to create. So it's like this, um, you know, I really don't want to lose this, this valuable team player. You know, they're so important to me. I just want to make sure this doctor is always going to be with our practice. Okay. Well, what's your goal for the practice? You know, well, I'm not really sure. Like, well, do you want to do less, cl less clinical dentistry? Yeah, that sounds good. And then it's like, okay, well, what does this associate produce per year? Um, she's good. Well, what, what's the number? She does well. Well, what's the number? What, what is a good number for an associate to produce in your practice or collect in your practice? And it's crickets. So then I asked the whole thing with like 20 people on the call, start putting a number in the chat of what a bare minimum of a good associate is. So most they're like million, 850, just something. Does she do right. that? I think she does. Hmm. What does she get paid? She gets paid 35% no lab bill. I'm like, damn, that's, wow. that's pretty generous. Yeah. Well, she does mostly things that don't use a lab bill. I'm like, well, then why don't you charge her a lab bill and it winds up being zero and at least it's there if she starts kicking ass and then invisalign or something mm -hmm. but it was it was, it was interesting. so interesting though because i mean craig was clearly salivating because he was asking the vision of the planet their first answer was we really want to keep this doctor so i was like your whole vision is focused on maintaining but Dwight, you you helped a lot too because i took that answer yeah. So I asked them a very simple question. What is your practice plan? What's your game plan? What are you trying to create for the practice? They said, we want to keep this doctor. And then I about to, I just was going to go with that. And diving like, no, no, that. no, you didn't listen to the question. Craig asked you, what is your plan for the practice? Yeah. Not what is your plan to yeah. keep this? It was yeah. very interesting. Yeah. But it was, uh, and the good thing about that, honestly, is having those vulnerable moments. And I think it's really powerful that it's during the week when people are in the trenches and the masterminders are at in the trenches, I think it's a very well thought out process, right? Like during the week we're in the trenches, we're focused on it. When we have our large meetings on Fridays, it's like 
break away from it all, try and get a little bit of peace and quiet and try and learn something mm -hmm. and implement it. And then when we do our breakaways in person, it's like, we're so far away from our practice. It lets mm -hmm. us think about things that we're not stuck in. Right. But all, all the, the, the constant thoughts, the little just emotional feelings that we have, which so much of us are focused on trying to bring in associates and maybe bring in partners. And what does that look like? Well, the questions are mostly like, well, what does your model look like? Are you building a business that's profitable enough to bring on partners? Because everybody thinks that, well, you bring on partners, that's how you build profitability. No, you can't get an associate who's paid 35% or something extreme and then say, well, become a partner, reduce your percentage so much that you're now making less than you ever did as an associate. Like they're getting paid as a partner. <laughs> you know, it's a great experience. Why? Because both Craig and I had a lot of scars and bruises from our lives uh, to talk about it. And so it was really, really good talk. And also just this idea about like, what is an associate mean to you? So there's certain doctors out there and some listening right now, they're like, I want to do the big cases and I want a doctor junior to come in here and do all the fillings and quadrant dentistry. And then I'm going to pluck all that stuff out. That's fine. Mm -hmm. But yeah. that means that the model you're creating is you want to be the apex predator of your practice and just eat the, the biggest, best things. That's right. okay. But right. there's other doctors that are like, I want to replace myself clinically and make the, the business profitable such that I don't have to produce dentistry. That's a total different associate you're looking for if you're trying to do that. You and the conflict like, oh. is when they're the first one, but they're looking for A players. Right. Yeah. Like that's the problem. It's kind of like, well, I, I'm just going to give them the garbage dentistry. I mean, yeah. give them a job that we ourselves would not want to do, right. but we want a players to fill that role. Right. And then because like, you ultimately want to be replaced. You're an A player. You want to get a doctor that's an A player. But for the first five years of you being an A player, you're just going to clean up my messes. Yeah. And guess right. what now, kind of associates leave associateships the most commonly a players, B players or C players, the A players leave. A players. Right. Because like you're saying, the doc, the, the, the principal doc comes in. He's like, I'm going to give you all the quote unquote. And I've heard, heard docs say this. I'm going to give them all the shit, mm -hmm. right? The temps breaking the night guards, the composites. I don't want to do. Yeah. On call. <laughs> and I'm going to do, and I'm going to do the eight unit veneer case. Yeah. Okay. Especially when the, when the doctor sells it. So the doctor finally brings in his like church, uh, someone that goes to his church for like the 10 unit veneer case. I'm like, thanks, Dr. Junior. I'll take that from you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. You enrolled it and I'll take it from here. Sit down. Yeah, I got it from here, buddy. But you can watch me. So I always say like, you know, that the best way to when you onboard an associate, prepare yourself to make less money. I think that's a good way to be right. Absolutely. Because and and your and prepare your collections to go down if you want to do it successfully the outcome can be yes you can do the case that you want to do down the way right the eight unit case but if you're looking to grow your organization job number one is, is make that associate happy and busy and the way you do that is you triage cases for them you help them you give them softballs you go into hygiene exams and you enroll on behalf of for them Right. Because yeah. I always said to my team, I can always make me busy. Always. So right? true. They, but they don't have the ability to do that right now because Absolutely. so you need to vicariously endorse and get that doc busy. And so that is how, you know, I have had a lot of successful associates and then partners is because I feel like I, I took a haircut to make them, you know, eat, leaders eat last. Absolutely. And I love telling them specifically, like when they come in, 
Hey, I'm glad that you're impressed with what we've created and what I personally have been able to do clinically. You should do it better and faster than I did it. If I created, if I paved the way, can you pave the way of people behind you and it continues to get better and faster? And that's the role. That's the role we should have, but it's a mindset, right? It's a business mindset. Can I make way for you to make it easier in this organization? But that's why they fail though, Dwight. Honestly, it's like, I think we, we, I, you know, look, if I came into an organization, you know, I would consider myself probably, you know, aggressive, a player, player, right? And so I came in and someone was like, Hey, go do all this. I'd be like, beat the bricks. I'm out of here. I'm going to, I'm going to be your competition and you don't want that kind of thing. Right. Or I'm just going to keep hustling until I win. And so, yeah, I mean, so I think that there's just a lot to, to unpack. I think dentistry at, at, does it wrong on a lot of fronts like that, right? It's like, well, I've earned the right, almost like you're pledging, right? In a fraternity. Well, well, you need to do this because that's what I did. Like who gives a shit what you did? Yeah. Do you want a successful and grow your entrepreneurial practice or not? Right. Right. Don't, don't say because, oh, because this is what I did that you should do it too. Yeah. You know, so I just hired, I just hired two more associates and both of them, came in and said, you know, and regardless of whether they were getting offered higher or whatever elsewhere, the two main reasons why they decided, and they're rock stars, right? Implant guys, comprehensive care. There's guys that have been out 10 years, another one, you know, few. you have these conversations with them and they say, well, because you didn't tell me what I was going to be limited to. Mm-hmm. And because I knew that I could come in here and just grow like that and like, learn, right? Like there's a lot of mentors in your practice. You probably promised them a great mentorship, Dwight, right? Yeah. I'm going to yeah. get you busy. You probably say these things. And That's like, right. It's I'm my job to make them busy. The way, and they want to learn. And so look, I think, I think, I think attracting a players is a universal theme in your practice, whether it's an associate, whether it's, uh, you know, treatment coordinator, whether it's a hygienist, I think that becomes a mantra in your practice and it's important. And, and you look the days of, we've all been on calls when we were stuck in COVID, right. And, and coming out of COVID was this fire. I mean, this hiring frenzy where everyone was just taking, I'll just take anybody. Right. And the pendulum was shifting out of our, mm-hmm. out of our, out of our favor in that, you know, people were weaponizing the offer down the street. Right. Yeah. I'm getting paid. Uh, they're offering me five, $5 more. And they're weaponizing that against you and say, well, shit, I don't want to lose you because the job market's so hard. Like, okay, I'll do that too. And like I've mentioned before on this pod several times, the pendulum is shifting back into more homeostasis, more equilibrium, maybe mm-hmm. a little bit more, you know, right? Like people oh, are actually sure. showing up for their interviews, almost had a hundred percent ratio. And in, in my example, used to be like 50% would actually even show up for right. their interviews. Um, so you have the ability right now to grow. If you're, if you're hiring, you have the ability, you can, you can, you can plant the seeds for a players, or you can plant the seeds for B players and just be okay with it. But I think right now is a unique opportunity where, where you can really curate the team of your dreams and they play something for you guys. This is someone I follow and I, I follow a lot of people, uh, not in dentistry of all people in dentistry, but this is someone that I follow uh, because I think she's just good business advice. Um, and so this is about B players. My 2023 mantra is like no more B players. Oh my God. That was my 2021 mantra. My 2022 <laughs> mantra. That was my, that'll be my 2024 mantra. <laughs> 
Did you have you seen those stats where it shows about sitting next to B play? Oh, this is so good. My friend Vanessa Van Edwards showed this to me. So there's a study done across hundreds of individuals, might be hundreds of companies. It's a big study. And essentially it shows if you sit next to an a high performer. Yeah. So if you have your team sit next to a high performer, you do, you will outperform by 15%. So a high performer just in your proximity will increase your performance by 15%. If you sit next to a low performer or underperformer, it will decrease your productivity by 30%. So every B player you bring on board is not just decreasing their productivity by 30%. It is that energy transfer, which is that everybody around them becomes a little bit less productive. Um. Right. So, yeah. So there's a, there's a thing that plays into this, guys, and it's the ego. So you know you're making a big presumption that you want to grow your organization, and most yeah. of us dentists conflate our organizations with ourselves. Mm. And if you really look at a big picture of our of our profession, there's a lot of people that don't want to be shown that there's better people around them. So they get the jackass effect. They hire the B player because they want to be the A player, and then the B player, since he's not an A player, mm. she's not an A player hires a C player because they want to be shining. And then the C hires a D and the D mm. hires the F. And all of a sudden you've completely tanked your place. So that I think it's important to recognize that even though a lot of people say they want a thriving business that exceeds their own personal production, there's an ego component. I'm thinking of one for, as an example, and I'm not going to name his name, but you know, he talks about, well, my business is like really runs around and blah, blah, blah. And like, dude, your business is you. You fly the world, you know, and, and do it all yourself. And I get it. But like you've at a certain point, there's got to be a day of reckoning where you've got to realize you cannot produce enough to support multiple offices and multiple. It just it runs out. I was that guy. Right. I was the guy doing, you know, millions of dollars of personal production while I had doctors on guarantees of five, seven thousand, seven hundred dollars mm -hmm. to a thousand. And they're sitting around doing nothing all day. Yeah. So you got to look, you got to look in the mirror and really say, is my ego allowing me? And again, maybe just, you need to eat shit sandwiches or feel some pain, but at a certain point, is my ego going to allow me to hire people that are as good and potentially better than me? Cause in my world now, I'd rather be the least talented man in the room at this point in my career. I think it's so common in dentistry that people hire associates that are not as good as them on purpose. And it's, no. mind, it's mind blowing yeah. to think that you hire people simply because they like to be the top doc because they can learn or they can teach somebody. So they struggle with this. I think this is very common in single location practices throughout the nation. It's how many times you get on a mastermind call and they're like, well, my associates out producing me out doing this, out doing that. Most of them have associates that are part time are yeah. working for them uh, and doing a very specific niche that either a, they didn't want to do, or, you know, because I don't want endo or I don't want a specialty or something like that. And it's holding them back and they just want to do something else. And they want to be the best at that. Right. If I have a doctor that comes in and is better than the other guy who's doing the majority of that particular specialty or spe specific like aesthetics, Hey, it just made both of them better. And that's the thing is, is there should be a little bit of um, competitive anxiety that comes along with that because the truth is, is it makes us all better. Yeah. And all of us were that, by the way, at a certain of point of all of our careers, we were in the egoic position of wanting to be the very best in our individual craft. It's just our business has shifted gears. 
Peter, there was a good amount of time where you were the best person for the job and you didn't want anybody else coming to that territory. And then you reached an inflection point where it started to break or become painful and you shifted. Yeah. Fair. Fair enough. Yeah. I, okay. All right. I'll, I'll take that. I'll take that. I was Here just bringing that up as a counterpoint, not to call it any specifics. It just, it's just there are certain people that the ego does not allow them to do that. And, and at a certain point, that shifts. So, so we talked about the attraction of a, a people, a associates, a environments, right? What do you think? And we talked about just the method of, of triaging for them. We're talking about an associate now, right? Like setting them up for success. Okay. So that's a great, that's a great attractant. What other things can practices do to set them up to get a players in a environments with a experiences for the patient? What other things do you guys think are, are components of that whole process? I think team, the team they walk into. Well, Dwight, but that I'm actually saying the team might be, I'm saying what even attracts the A people for the team? So you're saying the team itself attracts the team, the A team. The A team attracts the A team kind of thing? Okay. Yeah, for sure. All right. All right. Yeah. I really agree with in that. The presence, they won't know that though. In the interview process or in the first solicitation, yeah, they won't know that. So okay, so let's speak about a basic practice that doesn't have a giant social media presence or their individual providers aren't out there where they can't be seen. And I get that because that's the majority of the industry. I think it has to do with your presence in the community, kind of your branding and it has more down. presence in the community. Good. Presence community. So kind of how respected you are in the community. I think it has to do with the facilities this day and age, generations mm -hmm. today. Like they want to know what facilities would they bring their own family and friends to see themselves in their own office. And then the next is technology. I, I think their oh, access to ability. You're, you're, to okay. That. Tech, you're going fast. Cause I want to unpack this. Cause this is great. Right. Okay. So presence in the community. Great. Right. Obviously referrals reinforce that, right. Just community yeah. reputation, word of mouth, presence, your website. I mean, your virtual presence, website, yeah. your social media. Yeah. All of right? that. All yeah. okay. So these are great. I love the fact that you said the space as well, like the environment you practice in, because yes. let's face it, patients don't understand, readily understand, unfortunately, the quality of the dentistry that they're getting. So they have to go on perceived value. And a crown done out of a shitty looking location is not as satisfying to a patient as a crown done out of an, a, a perfect location. Unless it's truth. just what it is. I mean, I mean someone's going to push back on that list and be like, that's bullshit. But it's the truth, Craig. No, I, I think it is bullshit. I agree, whoever's going to say that. So I want to <laughs> speak to the skeptic. It is complete <laughs> bullshit that people would think that way. But as Stephen Kelleher from Southwest Airlines said, dirty cabins mean that people think that our engines are not working properly. It's human mm. nature. I agree. It's bullshit. No one should care. But that's how human beings are. When you, you can't physically understand the maintenance record of a 737, just like you can't understand the marginal integrity of the Sarah crown you got. Mm -hmm. But so what do they do? They say, well, it seems really nice. There's a flat screen TV. It looks clean. The carpet's new. I am safe here. It's yeah, so unfortunate. First I agree. First check mark is safety, like you're saying. And I think COVID yeah. made that ingrained. It's like a PTSD thing. It ingrained that in our, am I safe? Yes or no, right? And I think that, yeah, COVID kind of not brainwashed us, but indoctrinated us to the fact of like, holy shit, their sterilization might not be up to date. I could get sick and die. Mm -hmm. So, okay. So I have a funny story for you guys, actually. What prompted me, so one of my practice, uh, the practice in, in Blairsville, 
um, I was trying to attract an associate and kind of what they were saying was like, you know, it's kind of an old building, an old facility and old equipment. Well, I got so butthurt by that, a comment, not being able to attract them that I, you know, they had moved on, but I kind of renovated and so much now. So I'm actually building that office as a new building. Um, Nice. As of today, um, closing, I mean, closed uh, on a piece of land nice. because I think it just deserves, yes, it's a rural practice and yes, it's this, but I still think, Craig, what you're saying, I think it resonates with humans, not just humans in a metro area. I think it resonates yeah. with everybody. And so if I can provide that experience in the market that I'm in, then great. And I should, then I, then it's, I'm called upon to build that, build something <clears throat> like that. But honestly, I got so butthurt by that comment. I was like, that's it. We're renovating, right? Like, because we deserve better. We should be able to attract people. So I, I, I have I some we get amazing, too. yeah, what, what, I have some amazing people on my team that if, if I hadn't gotten the support, the coaching, the mentorship to build what I have built in those buildings, they would not be working for me. And I, that's you're talking about the facility. I'm talking the I'm facilities, the whole process, everything. Mm -hmm. One thing leads to the other. And the truth is, is we all have a component of ego, especially with our people closest to mm -hmm. us. Hey, sweetheart, my wife, that's where I'm going to be working. Mm -hmm. Look at that and look at how it's respecting the community. People walk in, they're like, oh, you work there or wow, you work there. That means, you know, oh, you're a Fort Bend dental doctor. Like that's a term that's thrown around. It's a phraseology that's been thrown around now in our area. That means top level of care. You must be good to be there. It should be intimidating to work at our organizations do you think, do you think that that's a such a powerful statement so let's just play a hypothetical yeah dingy office number one mm. mediocre culture paying 25 dollars an hour mm -hmm. office number two looks like yours or craig's right amazing clean fun things to do 20 dollars an hour you still think everyone in today's day and, 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 and with that, the pride of like, I work at the, this yes. office, right? Do you, I don't know why that jumped out of my head, but cause I'm, I wonder how powerful it is or if someone just defaults to, well, shit, it's more yeah. money going with this one. I, I don't think, let me go first with that one. I don't think it translates because the people okay. that are making 20, $25 an hour, that's not in with today's in today's day and okay. age with the inflation and stuff like that it, it it's the difference between not adequately taking care of yourself okay i was what just I do, trying to you, what you I see do, the you see the the metaphorically speaking what i was trying to no do. i understand i i know the mat, the algebra you're trying to draw here but i i do think there's another algorithm that's applicable the applicable algorithm is same crown can justify a higher price when you have the okay. better facility um just like look at like dentistry is retail. I know it's going to piss people off to say that, but you know, we have to understand that we are like a retail segment and becoming more so with great DSOs that are perfecting the art of the de novo. When you look at the ones that are opening up around my area, they're really nice looking. They're not what they used to be. Right. Um, so, so I think the bar is moving on the way let, things should look. Let me, let me, let me jump back in here, but I don't want to talk over you. So you get a many bad review if you do. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, that's only that's only you. Everyone feels bad for me. You get I get talked all over. Um, okay, for example, people who are going to people live in a house for twenty years, right? They're they're fine with their kitchen. They're kind of their old bathrooms. Blah blah blah. They they now want to sell their home, and what do they do? They go renovate their kitchen because they need yeah. to do it, right? So then they make this investment in in this house that they're no longer going to live in, and they go to market because they think they're going to make more money 
you know, every dollar they put in, they're going to get two at the sale price. Let's just say. And they do actually, Pete. Okay. All right. So, so that's an example of, right. And so I'm wondering where I was trying to go with that analogy of the person is that it's not a sunk cost because the crown fee potentially can, is easier to validate when the price increase. So if you, if you fix your kitchen in your practice, right, if you, if you renovate or expand or put in nice things or focus on the patient experience that, that the investment you now get to live in that investment, that investment then creates little children of, of higher crown fees and maybe attracts a, a people. I'm just where I'm trying to go is it's not a sunk cost of like, well, I had to do this. It's like, no, you get to do this. And here's what happens because of that, right? The increase in fees and the better team players and, and maybe your payroll costs don't have to be as high because you're not compete. You're not, you're not just like succumbing people to working there with the highest wages in town. It's, it's a privilege Absolutely. to work. Absolutely. There. Yeah. And the second I, I remember when I opened our first office, cause we moved our location from a second story in a professional building, couldn't be seen by anything to this beautiful building that, you know, you walk in and the number of resumes that people walked in, but even more importantly, the patients as they walked in, it's oh. kind of like me saying, I can get the same pair of Nikes at Foot Locker in the middle of a mall and at Nina Marcus. But when I walk into Foot Locker, I expect that those are probably going to be on sale. And at Nina Marcus, I'm not walking in asking for a sale. Very very well said dwight very i well want to add i want to add one great, layer on top of what dwight said that i think analogy. is important too and i think it's lost in the nuance of this t- conversation where you know the neiman marcus example is applicable because it's luxury versus pedestrian you know it's but with dentistry we have to add the other layer of safety like i was sure. speaking to a patient the other day who was going to a dentist in miami and she was getting an implant that was like implant crown everything for like $1,400. And, and her concern was like, this is such a low price. I'm worried about my safety. And she told her boyfriend and her boyfriend's a friend of mine and her boyfriend's like, no, this is your safety. So Mm. I think we, we tend to just go on the luxury, like service luxury. There is something to be said for not getting a bargain on your medical procedure. You know, what materials, you know, the FDA is not as active in the dental implant space as they should be like there's yeah, a lot of and, and that doesn't even cover craig the whole the narrative that you see on twitter of just people saying hey go overseas for cheap dentistry you're like yeah wonder where are they cutting you might come back with hepatitis you know yeah, yeah. i mean that's <laughs> probably the least from? of the concerns i mean the, yeah. the the problem is is we're doing it to ourselves you know, there's a lot of dentists out there who really shouldn't be in their own businesses. I mean, overseas in a, in a, yeah. in a yeah, yeah. where we're all thinking like a not not a developed place. Where no, like, I, I know what you meant, but I'm I just know, saying, but I don't like, want to despair. I don't want someone. I don't want to get a bad review, Craig. I'm petrified of. of no, no, no. Let the but I think the value it. is what you said, right? It's not a sunk cost to invest in the environment for what you attract, both in the A players you attract, types of patients. It's and not to mention, it's, it's where you show up. You're unlike your house. There, more than they are with their families it's it's exponential the roi on that when it comes to attracting your team your patients your a players that's just what it is but a lot of people i'm with you now are there areas yes people like to put in rolls royce chairs because they you know and they need them everywhere i get it there's components where it's the extremes right but the vast majority the bulk of 80 percent of the industry of how we invest our money into our practices it's worth it the roi is exponential 
And I think it's worth every bit of it. I mean, well, look at, look at the example where you have a doctor who practices in a shitty location and doesn't invest in his team or his technology, his or her team and technology, and they live in an opulent, beautiful house. I always said, like, I wanted to build the practice first and not the house, because by the time you're invited to my house, you already love me or like me. You know, when you come to my office, you have no idea what to expect. I'd rather impress those people. So true. My wife's always like, your office has way more nice stuff than we do. I'm like, yeah, yeah, because they deserve it more. Because <laughs> without them. Well, right. I mean, right. That's my purpose. It's, it's creating that experience. So meaning they don't deserve it more than her, but you get it. Like the, right. the whole, the yeah. office deserves it more. Yeah. Um, all right, Dwight, let's jump to your other thing you said, which was tech. So you did two things, presence, community, facilities, and tech. Expand on that. To me, technology these days, um, it's 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 gotten to the point where it's bare minimum of care, right? Like it's pretty normal for our patients now to walk in and be like, well, how do you make your crowns, right? It's gotten to that point, right? There's enough publicity out there. There's enough going on. But I think a lot of it has to do with um, that is the best way for our patients to you know get out there in the community and pursue certain things. But more importantly, the types of people you attract when they're walking in. Um, I just had my lead assistant right now who's been working with me for about a year. She just went and interviewed and, uh, for dental school. And this would be my fifth assistant that's left me to go to dental school and would come back and you know work for us, things that agree. But one of the cool things about these individuals is they come back, they give me feedback on where the dental school is at this time. Mm -hmm. And one of the comments that she said was, we, there was a very specific point that the director of admission stated was, you know, for the first time we are now transitioning where before 20% of the dentistry used to do was digital. Now it's flipped to 80% of the dentistry you're going to do in dental school is going to be all digitally made, crafted oh. and done. And so that that transition is happening, right? So not only is it becoming a base standard, right? And it's finally catching up because for our practices, it's been there for a long time. Mm -hmm. It's also one of those things where, do I want to be at a place where I'm going to learn or am I going to be a place where I'm just going to be status quo of what I know? And I think technology forces us to be better doctors. I mean, if you haven't looked at a CEREC or something to that degree of your prep on yeah. a big screen in front of you, you know, yeah. you actually are not a very good dentist until you stare at it, right? Until yeah. you stop telling the lab, figure it out, take the impression. Yeah. I don't want to make it. it work, right? Just make it work until you've figured that piece out. To me, technology is also the greatest training method mm -hmm. it, to, for, for associates to become incredible clinicians. Um, and that well, accountability- look, If you take sense. an impression, Dwight, it disappears and the lab yeah. magically pours up the model. And by yeah. the time you get back, they've cleaned it up. Yeah. So yeah. when you Make see, to your point, when you see your prep at 40 magnification, you're like, what the fuck was I drunk? <laughs> yes, like you exactly. could, I don't care if you wear four or five times loops, you yeah. see that magnified, you're like, damn. Yeah, yeah, and and I think it should be a big part of what attracts a players. Um, I you know I don't know the the I'm I'm on the other side of it now. So the doctors that we attract are the ones coming in. Their expectations are to have a CT for every patient. There there's just a lot of clarity. I mean, it's just what's expected. We make our crowns in house. We have a lot of flexibility. We integrate you know um, with a lot of systems, digital, you know, scanning for, for all the bites to understand digital occlusion, things like that, that level. Part of that is because they want to be around other doctors who know how to use that well, right? That's a, a players attracting other a players. 
Um, this, the expectation now is if we open a new office, there's a tech gap that we have to fulfill financially because that's our standard of care. And I, you know, I think that a lot of our practices has created that within the industry where all of a sudden that's that, well, that's what you create. That's what it takes is to be able to work here. You've got to be ready to learn and grow. Um, but a lot of docs have been out there for a while. They're looking for practices. They're looking for groups who value technology because it is just that much better care for their patients. Right. I mean, let's talk about AI on x-rays and what it can see and all those other things. I mean, that's are you using that now, Dwight. Oh yeah. We've been using it for over a year and it's critical, right? Like it's standardized. You know, how many times do you walk into a hygiene appointment just to check on the patient? You're doing an exam, but you've got two other chairs over here. You know, your brain's not in that hygiene chair, but when you walk in and there's a giant screen in front of the patient, the patient's already pointing out all the red decay that's on the screen because the AI already, you know, marked it for you. Then all you have to do is be like, yeah, DO, DO crown. Okay. Moving on. And it's, it's set. Why? because it gives the doctor a sense of confidence that they can do more in your practice with technology than mm -hmm. they can do in any other practice without it. Yeah. Right. I love it. Right. And, you know, going back to the fancy object thing, I think there is some, some attraction in that, right. If the practice is perceived as high tech, that is cool with a millennial generation and even beyond the millennial generation, like everything looks great, right? The, the patient experience is better. It's high tech. There's a tech stack that benefits the team, right? Um, you know, all, all those things. I think so. I think tech does play a big part as well as what you were saying, Dwight, you know, yeah. technology in the actual dentistry, but also in the background, right? Absolutely. Um, yeah. So love it. Love it. I think that's kind of where I was going with like, how do you, the how to, right? That's always where my mind goes to. And, and Craig yours always goes to the well, a 30,000 foot, you know, uh, concept of it. Right. And I'm always want to get in the dirt and say like, well, what are the things that, what are the components of such? Because where should someone be focused on if they want to say, Hey, I'm sick of, like Cody said, I'm sick of B players. I want some A's. Yeah. Um, and, uh, I, I, I have another video here and I gotta, I gotta tell you guys, I don't know what it is. It's another one of her. And I, I felt strongly enough to share it that I downloaded it and put it in, in our platform. So we could, you know, we've definitely have, have had them in varying companies of mine, but we push relentlessly to either make people better or help them find the thing that they can be an A performer at. Do you know who's very sticky in companies? No. B players. Oh God, I know. C well, players will get fired. Right. B players will hang around. That's, that's exactly right. <laughs> and A players will probably leave. <laughs> yeah. And B, well, A players will leave if you keep B and C yeah. players. They're gone. That's true. They're not interested. Yeah. B players will hang and they will think that you owe them more is what I found. Yes. They are the ones that ask for the most. They're the most entitled and uh, they're the most dangerous in a company. It's like a cancer that you need to, to cut before it spreads, which sounds like, okay, really? Um, but it's actually true because your employees are choosing to spend their life and their time with you. And so every B player that you associate next to them is actually decreasing their time. And that's not a fair thing to do to somebody in the company. It doesn't make firing people easier. So, so we had just said all, I'm so glad I hit play because I was nervous about that because Dwight, you had mentioned so many, so many things of that in this whole thing. And so I think that was a good, I think that was a good, uh, you've, you've got to underline though, that, that one statement where she said, a players will leave. Mm -hmm. when B players and C players are held on to. Mm -hmm. And I remember a dinner 
while back and a chunk of my team was at was there and there were some doctors that were there and it was a doctor who was interested in or, or it was a new partner who was hanging out but you know one comment asked me they're like what's your biggest fear in leading this organization and it was in front of my director of operations angela was there and i turned to her and because she knew what i was going to say and i said my biggest fear is accommodating those who are not as strong as we need them to be. And the truth is, is that because I tend to be a more emotionally conscious, connected individual, uh, you know, I have heartstrings in my process, right? I was raised by a very Italian Argentine family. It's just my natural tendency. Um, I tend to lose out on some logic battles, right? My wife is very highly logical and we talk about it through culture index or otherwise. But because of that, I sometimes accommodate individuals. I want for others more than they want for themselves. Mm. And therefore, I tend to keep them around thinking they're going to get better. They're going to do better. They're going to try harder. They're going to show up. And in the meantime, I see all these A players walking by, either exiting my organization mm -hmm. or walking by the organization and never entering it. Yep. And how much is like, you know, the, the index help you with that, right? Yeah massive yeah. I, I i think that there's something to be said for having actual data on this um between the office hours yeah. and between this i was you know interviewing somebody and i walk in and i mean i'm telling them who they are through verbiage and understanding so that there's a practical fit for what we need for what the other people that they're working with why it's going to be an immediate win mm -hmm. for everybody the second they're yeah. added to that organization so i think that does help i think that helps tremendously only because that's that's what we need to do, right? Um, Craig, you have anything? And so we actually have a website built for that. If someone really wants to get data to the people that they are hiring or, or analysis, uh, analyzing where their people are in the team, sometimes those A players or sometimes what is perceived as a B or C player. I, Craig, you had a story about this, I think, on in our mastermind where you thought the person was a B or C player. They were just on the wrong seat in the bus, right? And then you yeah. move them to a place with, with their higher calling based on the data that you were given from dentalteambuild.com. And, um, and they, it was a, it was a metamorphosis, right? A butterfly transformation for you. You were like, God, this person's not strong. I need to let them go. And now you're like, they are one of the pillars of my community. Yeah. My it's wild, community. huh? Yeah. What, what it really does is like, listen, time will, time will solve all these mysteries of who you've hired and who, who's on the bus and what seat they're on. I mean, if you're willing to put in years, you could figure it all out. But imagine a tool, which we're talking about, which enables you to get to know the person, how they're programmed. We all have amazing strengths and we all have areas that we're not strong at. And I think a good percentage of my personal career, as I know was your, your, you guys as well, was trying to, as why do I say, marginally improve our weaknesses. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And when you try to work on what you're not great at, it's really frustrating and demoralizing if you can stay in your zone of power and then find other people on your team to complement those areas that you're weak in, it's not only what makes a team fulfilling, it's what makes it great. Like this idea that we're supposed Amen. to be strong in everything is total bullshit. bullshit. And as you get yeah. a little more seasoned and a little further down the line of your own leadership journey, you'll realize that it's the joy of putting a team together that everybody covers each other's bases. It's really cool. I think and there's an exception points so many times, Craig. Uh, in your career where you can look back and you were say, yeah, that, that really moved the, the, the lever. And Dwight, I want to thank you because like you brought this to my awareness and probably Craig's, you know, about talking about, um, 
you know, index culture index and, you know, has, and now we have a relationship where it's dental team build, where it's kind of more geared for dentistry, but like that was an inflection point where, where success became a little bit easier. And I just want to thank yeah. you for that publicly because I would have, it would have fallen. I would have, it would have never gotten on my radar, right? Especially someone who's not into feelings and yeah. analysis. It would have never got on my radar. So I, I, you know, publicly thank you for that. Um, I had done it so many times too in the past, like over years, but I'm so thick headed. I like did it over and over. It just shows like when I look back at the things that I've had to learn, it was, I, I I'm so obtuse with things. Sometimes it takes me forever to learn the lesson. Like I had like five or six separate times where I filled out that profile, you know, mm -hmm. whether through a friend um, with that DSO that was interviewing us, right. Peter, when they read our profiles together and in prior <laughs> the book market fuel and stuff like that. It's just, it's incredible. Um, if I could have just gotten over myself faster in the past, I've been further ahead, but yeah. Agreed. All right. Um, so I, I don't have anything else in closing. I want to bring some fun to the last part of this. Cause I think, I think we, I think honestly, y'all, we nailed that concept. Um, of, yeah, we did a good job. I think good job doing it's so great. Go figure, go figure. Hats on him. What do you always say, Pete, with that smelling what? Smell your own fart. <laughs> don't, say, don't say it. <laughs> I don't understand that. What do you mean? I mean, I heard it means like, you love your what you're doing so That's much great. that you'll take the foul. You're just like you can't get an your own foul smell is good by yourself. Right? <laughs> okay. Even the even the bad stuff. So that's when I tell you okay. you're smelling your own farts, Craig. Um, so <laughs> have you guys? Idea. So because I proportionally spend. Craig spends time on Instagram and Facebook, and and I have I have been as a good partner covering the, my bases on Twitter just to make mm, sure we're a well well-rounded team on X. Been tagging oh X, thank you. Right. <laughs> have you guys been talking? And so this is this is bulletproofs, uh, you know, like our social media. Like sometimes we go on a news hijack and jump on things that are relevant and what people are talking about. Have you guys heard about the Roman Empire? Of course. Of co what do you mean? Of course. Well, I've heard that like m many, a, a great percentage of men in America spend an inordinate yeah. amount of time. So there's a thing going on TikTok right now where women go and say, hey, honey, how many times a day do you think about the Roman Empire? And they're blown away because most men are like, I think about it all the time. Right. So I'm about to play. <laughs> and women just can't understand that. And so I'm going to play for you the best example of what I heard um, of it. Check this out, guys. Ready? Cool. Do you ever think about the Roman Empire? All the time. Why? What are you, what are you thinking about it? Well, because we're in those times right now. Everybody's preoccupied with sports, movies, work, you know. What was he said about bread? Well, all right. The common people, Roman Empire said that everybody was equal. Everybody had a chance. Uh -huh. But it wasn't. The rich got richer and the poor got poor. And they worried constantly about people rioting. Because uh -huh. they knew that the common man, the common people, uh -huh. could take over at any time. So they would bring them into the Colosseums, and they would give them free grain. They would give them bread. They would give them wine, whatever they needed, to fill their bellies and block their minds from what they were angry about. They would watch plays. They would watch fights with the gladiators, sometimes for months on end. Huh. And that's where we're at right now. And I think about it all the time because so many people are preoccupied with their favorite football team, their favorite actor, actress, singer, and they they just don't even think about what's being taken away from them. As long as their bellies are full, 
and they're happy with what's going on, they just let it continue. Wow. It's true. They gave them their dole, their grain dole, their free. They gave 200,000 Roman men free grain. Just so free money. That as long is as they're a... entertained, their circus and their dole, as Marcus Aurelius said. Yeah. And so this is why this is the best was best answer kind of that's roaming through Twitter is like, well, what the guy, this shirtless guy on the country porch. Um, and it's, and it's well, look, fun. it's the rich men of Richmond as well. It's this yeah. whole groundswell of this, yeah. um, this entitlement and, and the, the, the out of touch, you know, you've got so many uh, celebrities that are, that are uber wealthy and disparate in their wealth. And they're, and they're asking you to donate for Maui and they're asking you to do more. Like you're worth a billion dollars. Like, can't you give people a sandwich instead? Mm-hmm. It's uh it's a very interesting time. Yeah, it, it really is. And I don't know why I wanted to lead on that. It just that it's, you know, rele- relevance is always fun. And, and, uh, and it's a, uh, it was pretty thought provoking. So it we'll was thought provoking for a shirtless man uh, with a Mason jar no, it's behind for, him for, for all men. That's what, that's the whole trend is that men constantly have been thinking about this. It just finally, it came up, you know, <laughs> I wouldn't say I constantly think about it, but like you do think about like the gladiators, right? Especially when you're watching football. Oh, and well, like I'm the, a big fan of the Stoics. So that's like a offshoot of the Romans, you know, right. Marcus Aurelius, the last great Roman emperor. Yeah. But there's no yeah. doubt. I mean, More you can get okay. right in circus and they'll never revolt. I mean, it's the concept yeah. and it's funny to think that it's so embedded in our culture right now that we're just reflecting. I mean, we're just another chapter in the same book of history. Yeah. Yeah. And so it's, you know, I was going to bring in one more piece just as a, you know, as, as moderator and kind of take it to the whole macroeconomic things, which we did a lot of. And, you know, we're, we're about to finish, you know, we have a hundred, I think we have 98 days left of the year and we're about to enter 2024, which is an election year. And the, the fed this is just interesting. And so this is the last thing to think about has already announced because we just crossed the threshold of $33 trillion in debt. The right. fed has now announced that, that, they are going to become the buyer of their own debt, the biggest buyer. So imagine if you could print dollars to pay off your student loans. That's the same thing that's happening. <laughs> so this is the death spiral, right? And so, it, you know, maybe it's 20 years, maybe it's 50 years, maybe it's net, who knows. But like when you print money to buy your way out of debt, that's a bad thing. And so now we're going into an election year and who here, raise your hand if you think there's going to be some kind of stimulus around that. Going back to the Roman Empire right? They're giving them bread, right? So inflation, my friends, is freaking here to stay. We yeah, will probably high not interest rates, see 3% by the way. interest rates again in our lifetime. If you have a 3% on your house, you're yeah. there till the end of the time. Yeah, and by the way, just a tactical note, if you have a 3% interest on anything, do not pay. <laughs> do not overpay it. Do not listen to Dave Ramsey and try to get debt free. Put the money in a savings account at 4.8 and pay the minimum payment you can on that 3% until it runs out. And uh, uh, you get to make the delta between come, the two, right? Come, going back to my comment, and y'all have heard me say this before, but going back to my comment about this is just another chapter in history. And, you know, history um, reflects tremendously on, you know, kind of a repeats itself. Um, coming from a family that's from Argentina yeah, um, and watching this situation, you know, with their there was this great phrase that occurred after the the abundance, as we called it, era that came from Evita and Perón and those types of mindsets. Um, and it was la abundancia te repudre. And the concept is, is that 
you know, abundance will rot you from the inside out. Mm. And when you continue to feed everybody, um, not just bread, but gluttonously, then you ruin culture from the inside out and it gets rotten. And that's the impact. That's the fear that we have that continues to go down that direction. And the truth is, is do we have still the greatest, you know, country in the world and the greatest collection of enterprisers and, and people who can create, we absolutely do. And is there ways in which entrepreneurship will get us out of this? We need to watch both sides. But who guess we are what? And what like the Roman Empire, I guess I'm saying to, the Roman Empire thought that too, right? We're yeah. too big to fail. We will be the world's power until the end of time. Yeah. Well, the founding fathers were very co cognizant of the decline of the Roman em Empire. They knew it. Um, and but what, what's more, more alarming is the disdain for the entrepreneur. Mm. You know, that, that this, there's another groundswell of this hatred of the entrepreneur. Like if you the look Elon around, hate kind of yeah, stuff. if you look around the world, your life, all of our lives is better because of the entrepreneurship, mm -hmm. whether that's Howard Schultz from Starbucks or Jeff Bezos from Amazon, the thought, and I'm old enough to know the thought that I could buy something and that I need and have it delivered by before the end of the day, or have it brought to my house. That's made my life a whole lot better. Isn't Tesla, all these different things. True. There, but I'm sorry. I said, isn't that the truth? Yeah, yeah but like... but there's a disdain for the entrepreneur, the capitalist. You know, it's like you see those memes of like "fuck capitalism," says the girl with the Mac and the at Starbucks, and like, you know, it's like it's right. it is an interesting time. But yeah. um, you know, as as far as the rest of the world though, you know, as listen to the All In podcast, we're uh, I don't actually it wasn't the All In podcast this week. I think it was Prop G. But the, as as it relates to the inflation rates of other portions of the world, the UK and their GDP, oh we God. are kicking everyone's ass. Yeah. Not to say that we should rest on our laurels, but we have pushed mm -hmm. our inflation down much further than all the other, you know, civilized third world, uh, first world countries. So we're we're doing better than the rest. So that'll put us in a better position. Uh, for success, U.S. versus you know, other, our global partners, but nevertheless, it's a uh, it's it's a strange, strange time. Strange time. All right, guys. Well, uh, with that, we will leave you until next time. Yeah. D Wizzle, D Peck. Thanks for uh, thanks for joining and getting the times right, buddy. It's D Peck. D Peck. Always, we always. Uh, I did tell I I did tell J Cal that y'all call me D Peck. By the way. Oh, that's right. You're all in. You went to the all in summit Give oh, it, I know. in a minute. Can you tell us? Um, I, wait, I would just say because you felt like this analogous thing to the bulletproof us for doing. Did you feel like just I have to go because I need to to, to just. So full full transparency, my wife got invited mm -hmm. um, and um, and my as you all know, my wife is she comes from a big entrepreneur loves business has been an entrepreneur herself and has run done a lot of interesting things but because she's been now more in the non-for-profit she kind of won some of that diversity score being able to come in as a woman be you know in that realm and so it was interesting interesting because she was like oh by the way i'm headed to la like next week and i was like Psh. i was like i'm going too. we got to go do this so i you know i bought my way in um, but what was interesting for me was to, to be around, I, I, we talk about it all the time, getting away from dentistry, getting away from the industry you're in, doesn't matter what it is, mm -hmm. being surrounded by that amount of diversity and entrepreneurship. And I think that was the common thread through everybody that we met there. But more importantly, I, I think that there's something to be said for the fact that you've got these, um, 
these passionate entrepreneurs who are relentlessly willing to solve the world's problems through entrepreneurship, I think that that spirit is absolutely necessary. And I think it reinvigorated myself. Like I came home thinking, what else should I be doing outside of dentistry, inside of dentistry? How do I continue to scale to be able to insulate ourselves from the potential risks of what we're dealing with economically, mm -hmm. these types of things. It is my job as an entrepreneur, as someone who's passionate to do it, to create jobs, to create opportunities for other people and to do it in new and inventive ways in which it's never been done before. And I think that's, I, I needed to put myself in an environment that way. Sometimes you have to sit in front of Ray Dalio or I had longest conversation I probably had the whole time there was with Chamath and, and his wife and both of them being big entrepreneurs in their world, her in Italy and her and him in the United States clearly and around the world with India. I mean, the mindset of being around individuals who have a much bigger perspective, much bigger picture of the reality of the economics. It helps you be more appreciative of what you have, but at the same time, it helps you be a little bit more risky and willing to drive it because we are in the greatest opportunity of humanity still today. And I think if we don't take advantage of that, um, I think that's where people lose out. So I, it was just really good for us to be there. We had a lot of fun. Yeah. I bet you came back just like super bullish about just the world and, you know, it's inspiring to, you know, it's people, people in that kind of room, Dwight, they find solutions. They don't bitch about problems. Right. Right. Everybody was coming. I mean, the, just some of the speakers that were there. I mean, there was the the two leading uh, uh, engineers in fusion energy right now were there. I mean, it just changes your whole perspective. I, I mean, fusion itself could solve a lot of this yeah. economic yeah. situation. I mean, the energy is free people. and abundant. It's uh, it solves a whole lot of problems. That, Wars, that's right. yeah. go away. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And some problems are meant to be persistent uh, in yep. order to keep the powers that be in charge. You know, there there is, I'm not pointing to a conspiracy theory, but there's certain problems that yeah. are convenient for the, the mm, absolutely. You know, the, so, absolutely and, and humans fusion, will yes. always find all, humans will always find a way to create more problems there's no doubt about it but i think that that parallels the entrepreneurial spirit i'd and love I to I, I don't want to rush you here but i want to wrap and but i do want to hear i think it'd be awesome to you to kind of uh maybe you talk about your notes and do kind of a yeah. kind of a debrief and how you see it what you learn there being applicable for dentistry i think that'd be a great episode on itself honestly absolutely okay yeah. let's do that yeah. I can All right, guys. I loved, loved, uh, love being with you guys. It's, it's, it's super fun. I learned something. Good so, to see you, fellas. Uh, we will, we will see everyone the next time. As soon as I fix my camera, we'll see you the next time. Yes. Boulder Dental Practice Pod. Bye. -bye. Thanks, everyone.